This is the E-Commerce Brain Trust, a podcast about building momentum online for established consumer brands. Join our hosts and their expert guests for high-level conversations about e-commerce strategies, trends, and innovations. Access our Brain Trust and boost your brand's e-commerce potential. Hello and welcome back to the E-Commerce Brain Trust podcast. I'm your host, Kiri Masters, Head of Retail Strategy at Acadia. And today I'm joined by a fellow Acadia colleague, Caroline Adams, who is a Senior Strategic Account Manager at Acadia, where she manages clients who trust Acadia to grow and manage their Amazon sales channels. Caroline has spent the majority of her career as a product marketer across various industries, from consumer packaged goods to publishing to not-for-profit. As a true proponent of learning, she morphed into the e-commerce world and was trained by an ex-Amazon employee. She joined the agency side of the business about four to five years ago and loves working alongside clients to help them reach their Amazon goals. Welcome back to the podcast, Caroline. Well, thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, it's been a minute and I'm really excited to dig back into this topic with you because up until about this time last year, we spent a lot of time together going through this research that we're about to discuss and we were meeting, you know, multiple times a week and another colleague of ours, Gary Hammerschlag, was involved with this project too. So I sort of, I miss it a little bit. Yeah, we did spend a lot of time together and it was a great initiative and I really enjoyed working together with you and Gary on it. It was lots of fun. Yeah. So for those people who missed this work, it was a piece of research and a framework that we worked together on called the Amazon Maturity Matrix. And we were unbearing this from the archive because it's something, it's a piece of, it's a framework that we are still using today and still as relevant as ever. And I know, Caroline, you have been using it over the last 12 months and have some new examples and ideas to share. Let's recap that, sort of the main themes of that project, if you can. Sure, absolutely. So I have been using it, you know, over the past year, and and I will get into a lot of those details as we go, you know, down in our discussion. But just to bring it back to what the maturity matrix is and and why we did it. And one of the reasons why we took to this research was that there was a lot of, we wanted to really uncover what it takes for a company to become a master on the Amazon platform. You know, at the time we were working with a lot of various size brands, you know, as bobsled marketing and where they were in their sales journey on the Amazon platform was all very different. Some of them were new to the platform. Others were on Amazon for many years. Some had financial limitations. Others had funds, but really didn't know how to spend them. So what we did was we took, you know, we took a step back and we said, okay, what really does a client need or an account need to be as successful on Amazon as they can be and really master that sales channel. So what we did was we pulled a lot of data. We looked at the data from our clients, there was nearly 100 at the time, to really uncover their mindset, to look at how they were organized, any roadblocks that they were up against, and really their goals that they wanted to achieve on the Amazon platform. But then we also turned internally, because after all, Bobsled, we are a team of experts on the Amazon platform. So really, our assessment of our clients work as well. So we took all these different approaches, 
we mined the data, and we came up with a framework that you alluded to earlier, Gary, which was the Amazon Maturity Matrix. And this is the piece that's really exciting for me because this framework really is a tool that plots a client on this two-by-two matrix. And in this matrix, it's based on two dimensions. One is engagement and the other is execution. And when think about it, an engagement, like how involved is a client really on the platform? Is there engagement throughout their whole entire company? Is there engagement from the top tier all the way down to the bottom level? You know, are they willing to test? Are they willing to learn? Are they willing to grow? And, or do they just have a set and forget it, you know, mindset? So that's one dimension, which was the engagement. The other dimension was execution. So even though they may be engaged, they want to really grow on this platform, but maybe they just don't have the resources to be able to do so. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they don't have the time commitment or, or the financial resources. So we really, you know, this was really a grid that allowed, that was broken down into four quadrants and allowed us to see where our different clients really fell in this matrix. And we made it a little fun as well. We named each quadrant after an animal archetype. And really the quadrant that was the highest level of engagement and the highest level of execution, we called that the, the lion. So everybody really aspired or wants to aspire to be like a lion, you know, master of the kingdom. And at the time, what we did was we gave an assessment to our clients. We allowed them to take it. And from there, they were plotted on this matrix. And it really was not only an eye-opening for them, but it was also an eye-opening for us and really helped us to develop more of a strategy around what their goals, but not only that, but how they performed and how they were on this particular platform. Yeah, you know, what's quite interesting from that matrix is the absence of brand size or company size or total budget. Those were not actually factors in the matrix. That's exactly right. Because, you know, you would think that as a big company, as an example, that has lots of deep pockets that you would think that they would have or, or a company that has a lot of brand recognition already, they could also have more limitations internally because they have more, you know, people that need to be part of the project or they need to get more approvals before they can move forward. So oftentimes it's the bigger brands, you know, that you would think that would really be the mature brands, even ones with brand recognition ultimately do not. They have the most limitations a lot of the times. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that, In terms of broad strokes, that's what the Amazon Maturity Matrix is, and it sort of gave us a framework to dig into how could the brands who are not yet lions move into lion territory. So what what were some things, some of the big findings that you thought at the time were significant as an account manager, if you could rewind the clock back 12 months? Yeah, so it's always hard to go back 12 months, but since I have been using it consistently, you know, in my mindset as well, I think when I think about the big findings, it all, it really made perfect sense to me because it's really the accounts that were most involved, the accounts that had the clearest visions, the accounts that were most engaged are the ones that were really set up for success on Amazon and really enabled us to be able to be true strategic partners with them because they had that clear vision and they had that clear engagement. But as we look forward, I mean, what really takes a client to be 
align? Like, how do they become mature? They need to move fast and they need to pivot when needed, right? They need to react quickly because we all know that Amazon is a moving target. So in order to move along with that target, you can't have any of those limitations that we spoke about earlier as far as having, you know, taking a week or a month or a year to be able just to get buy-in from an account. To me, that makes perfect sense. They also have to be willing to take calculated risks. You know, Amazon really is a platform that you have to always be testing. You always have to be, you know, trying a new strategy. They're always coming up with different things. And the accounts that really are open to being able to try these new approaches are the ones that were, that are most successful on a platform. But also one of the biggest things as well is having really a firm set of strategies, I'm sorry, a firm set of goals that they want to hit. So having those goals are really, really important. But even more important is how are they aligning their resources and how are they making decisions to those goals? So here's an example. Say, for example, one of the goals is to improve PDP conversion rates. So that could be a big KPI, right? Because you want to have shoppers that land on your page and you want to be able to turn that shopper into a buyer. So what if that page is not optimized and the client says, okay, we're going to go ahead and we're just going to continue to spend more money on PPC and we're going to drive more traffic to that page. That makes sense, right? We're going to put more money. We're going to put the keywords that make sense and we're going to drive it to that page. In reality, it's not a good strategy. Because first, what they will need to do is optimize that PDP, right? So just throwing money into it is not going to be a win-all. It's not Mm. going to help improve that conversion rate for that particular page. What it's going to do is just drive more traffic to a not optimized page. So it's really aligning your decision with that stated goal. Stated the goal, improve PDP conversion rates. First thing to do is look at the page. If the page is not optimized, that should be the decision first before just putting money into it. So those are the things that we learned that mature brands really do align their goals with those decision, with making a good decision. Yeah, that's a great one. And I'll just add in another anecdote there. And that was when we looked at what the stated objective was for a brand versus their behavior didn't always sync up. And the way that I see that playing out very regularly is a brand who wants to grow market share, grow category share, grow new to brand sales, but they have this fixation on ROAS, which is really a measure of profitability in advertising. That's one example, but one of the most prevalent ones that I confront is what's the objective and the ways that you're both measuring it and executing against it which is what you're sort of talking about there as well, those need to be in alignment as well. And that can be a hard thing, you know, internally, particularly in a big organization to go back to your boss and say, hey, we're really focused on the wrong measure here. We're really not, you know, our actions and what we're working on is not really in service of our bigger objective. That can be a hard conversation. It really is. And I think for me, I mean, I work on, I support enterprise level clients. So not only was I part of this groundbreaking research, which was really exciting, of course, but it also helped me be a better strategic partner for some of those accounts. So here's another example. When I speak with my clients now, I know the questions to ask. 
So to your point, Carrie, it's not just so much about, I want to grow on this platform. I want to hit X revenue goals. It's, I want to be either more profitable. You know, I want to make sure that that profitability is that piece. So it's actually getting them to think differently. And I think that has been really one of my big, one of the things I have come out from myself is that I'm able to ask these questions that get the accounts to think differently as far as their goals. You know, maybe ROAS isn't it. Maybe it's just not conversion rates, but maybe it's profitability. If it is profitability, maybe it's a hard look at their assortment. Mm-hmm. Maybe we need to call that down, but it's really having them think differently. And I think for me, that has been a real benefit just to be able to ask those hard questions to get them think differently as far as how they need to look at Amazon as a channel. Yeah, that's great. Absolutely. Yeah, asking the hard questions. So now that we're a year on, what, if anything, has changed? I honestly don't think much has changed. Yes, we're in a situation now where the shopping environment has changed. You know, pocketbooks are being harder hit. Amazon has increased their fees. So from a seller perspective, they're getting hit as hard as the consumer is getting hit. But that goes back to that profitability. And I think, you know, when you think about the matrix and being the lion, you still need to achieve, you still need to pivot quickly, you still need to, you know, have strong KPIs. But the part of being the lion hasn't changed. It's really how we look at that, how we get the client to think a little bit differently and to really go after those goals. And I think that's the only piece in my mindset that really has changed from where we were then to where we are today. And it's again, that's where myself and other, you know, account managers at Bobsled slash Acadia really can help drive those hard questions to really get our accounts to really think differently and to be more mature on this platform. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm glad that the framework has sort of stood the test of time in, in that way. Could you share an example of a client who has moved through different stages of the maturity matrix? Sure, I could absolutely do that. So I have one client, this goes back to what we were discussing earlier, that very highly recognizable brand. They really, they're a household name. They've been around for a really long time. And they took the assessment. And when they took the assessment, they scored low in engagement and low in execution. And quite honestly, (laughs) exactly. They were classified as a caterpillar. Who wants to be a caterpillar, right? (laughs) And when I went over the results with them, they were absolutely mortified. They were like, what do you mean we're a caterpillar? We are, you know, the premier brand in this particular category. I said, yes, but what you're not having what where your challenges are aligning is how you are working on the Amazon platform. So you can't take your off Amazon the way you approach your off Amazon channels the same as the way you're approaching your on Amazon channels. It doesn't really translate that way. So all the recommendations that I was suggesting prior to them taking the assessment fell really low on their priority list because they just thought their brand name was enough. Fast forward, they're a caterpillar. They didn't want to be a caterpillar. Now, all of a sudden, those priorities shifted. So those suggestions that I made earlier on 
have now made it to their top of their priority list. They made a lot of changes. They were bringing forward a lot of the assets that I was requesting to make those changes on the platform. And as a result, their sales are skyrocketing. They've pivoted. They've made a change in their mindset of how they are approaching the platform. And I think that was really exciting to see. That's a great story. First of all, that mustn't have been an easy conversation. You're the lowest tier on this maturity stage. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it wasn't a newly bronzed brand. It was a no. brand that's been around for a long time. Right. And I think that that's great to hear that they were open-minded enough to, to listen to that and take that as a learning opportunity, as a way to move forward and become a healthier, stronger brand in the marketplace. Because you're right, especially as a large brand, you can't rest on your laurels. There are lots of things that lots of advantages that you do have as a larger brand and some of our other research around sponsorship lift, the sponsorship lift phenomenon, which is, you know, the more that you spent on brand marketing outside of Amazon, the, the easier time you have ranking internally without a ton of advertising spend. But that doesn't mean that you get a free pass to the top on Amazon. You need to be showing up. And there are a lot of direct, you know, factory direct brands on Amazon who are prepared to cut prices and use really aggressive marketing tactics that can ultimately sort of bury these legacy national brands if they don't know what they're supposed to optimize for. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I do also think that one of the benefits of the assessment for when clients or accounts do take it is that it almost becomes grounding. Like the research is a grounding piece of data. So, you know, I have a lot of history on the Amazon platform. I know what works. I know what the recommendation is. But sometimes, you know, there might be a little bit of, ah, I really don't need to do this. I know what works on the platform, you know, from, you know, a client perspective. I'm so successful off Amazon that I'm just going to apply that on Amazon. But I think what is happening is that once they have actually a piece of data in front of them and they're seeing where they fall on this matrix, it almost becomes like I said, a grounding force where that data now becomes quantifiable and it's a shift. It almost ups the game from me saying what I think to what really works and this is where you are and this is what you need to be, you know, where you need to go. So I think it kind of is a really important tool for not only our clients, but for prospective clients or any account that's out there to say, okay, this is where you are. Mm-hmm. And this is where you need to be in order to be mature on the platform. Yeah. So you shared a couple of examples about how as an advisor to these brands, you've used the Amazon Maturity Matrix. Do you have any other examples that you want to share? Sure. I have another client. As I said, I've been using it a lot. So I do have another okay. client that's kind of, you know, small to mid-sized brand, not as much brand recognition. So the complete opposite of the example I spoke about earlier. But this client did have a high le- level of interest when they took the assessment. They had a high level of interest, but they had very low in execution. So they were involved. They were engaged. They were really, you know, wanted to be successful on the platform. But when it came to executing, they were lower on that level of engagement, on that metric. So fast forward a year later, we're working now on building 2023 strategy for them and really 
working toward putting a firm deck together and strategic recommendations. And one of the first questions I always ask at this is, what are your goals? What are you trying to do for 2023? Last year, it was, I just want to grow my market share. I just want to make sales on Amazon. This year, it's, I want to grow my sales, but I want to grow my sales more profitably. I want to Mm. have more of my profitable sales. And I want to really lean in on those products and on those ASINs that are making me the most profitability on Amazon, the most profitable ASINs. And I was so excited to hear this because this aligns 100% with what we were talking about as far as having a real defined KPI at a granular level that really makes an account shift from just being a player on the Amazon platform to being a mature player on the platform. And I was really excited when they said, I want to be more profitable. That's my goal. That really excited me. Yeah. And just to point out, it's okay to have an objective to grow and to obtain market share and have less of a focus on profitability, but to understand what's the consequence of that. Well, you're going to be generally paying more to acquire those customers because you might be targeting more upper funnel shoppers. You're trying to expand reach. You're trying to bring in customers who've never bought from you before. So understanding that, you know, a growth objective comes at a higher acquisition cost. Like you said, a brand may mature in some ways to uncover, okay, we still want to grow, but we need to grow within this margin or divide the product your product assortment up into categories where there's cash cows that need to maintain a certain profit margin. And then there are growth categories where those are customer acquisition plays. I've also heard of a a CPG brand who has like sample, essentially like a sample pack on Amazon, which is meant to drive brand adoption. And they know they're going to make a loss on that, but it is a pathway into purchasing some of their other products. So yeah, it's okay to have a profit target. It's okay to have a growth target. It's okay to have something that resembles both as long as you understand what the cost of that objective really is. A hundred percent. And I alluded also back to, or I, I bring it back to, you know, product development. There's a certain level of product, the life cycle of a product, like from launch to, you know, a mature product. And, yes. you know, during those different phases of product development and during those different phases of a product life cycle, your strategies are a little bit different. Your tactics are different. You know, what you're trying to achieve is different. And it's the same with sellers on a platform. So on the Amazon platform, that is, of course, in the sense that a new account that is just starting out is going to have a different mindset and different strategies and different tactics associated to an account that's been there for a much longer period of time. And so I equated a little bit to that product life cycle that it just it changes and it morphs as you go through your time, you know, your investment, your time, but it's always keeping that nimble mindset and that flexibility that I think really allows an account to grow and be as successful as possible. Mm, Wonderful. Well, thank you, Caroline, for joining me to recap this research and tell us how you're using it with your clients at Acadia. Thank you, Kerry. Well, hey, thanks for listening. I really enjoyed looking back on some research that we did that has clearly stood the test of time. If you want to learn more about that research and the framework that we've used, the Amazon Maturity Matrix, you can now find it on the Acadia website. 
That is A-C-A-D-I-A dot I-O. A-C-A-D-I-A dot I-O. And you can find that in the learn section of our website. Thanks for tuning in and I'll catch you next week.